One of the firms handpicked by the Liberal government to oversee the failed Arrive Can application has accumulated $258 million in federal contracts over the course of Prime Minister Justin Trudeau's time in office. Conservative leader Pierre Polyev blasted a pro-drug advocate's racist tirade at a protest in Richmond, B.C., where residents demonstrated against the opening of a safe injection site. There's been a second shooting targeting the home of a Sikh activist in one week. Hello Canada, it's Thursday, February 15th, and this is the True North Daily Brief. I'm Cosmin Georgia. And I'm Noah Jarvis. We've got you covered with all the news you need to know. Let's discuss the top stories of the day and the True North exclusives you won't hear anywhere else. The government vendor who received tens of millions of dollars to build the controversial ArriveCan app has received $258 million in federal contracts since Justin Trudeau came to office. The Conservatives are calling on the Auditor General to investigate every contract and every dollar paid to GC Strategies. La Presse reported Wednesday that GC Strategies has won approximately 140 federal government contracts totaling $258 million since 2015. The Department of Public Services and Procurement announced that all these contracts will be subject to review. Auditor General Karen Hogan released a report Monday revealing that ArriveCan's cost was an estimated $59.5 million, with $19.1 million of these funds being paid to GC Strategies. The app was initially supposed to cost only $80,000. Nearly half of these contracts were awarded to GC Strategies by the Canada Border Services Agency. 46 of the contracts were given to GC Strategies without a call for tender. Following the news, Conservative MP Michael Barrett said that the two-person IT firm has done no actual IT work but has been paid $250 million in government contracts. With ArriveCan, GC Strategies received the contract but subcontracted the work out to others. So Noah, I have to admit, I haven't been following this story super closely, but uh, I have read some of the report and, and the Auditor General's remarks, and there's a lot of troubling things here. And I think uh, MP Barrett hit on an important point, asking what exactly GC Strategies does, because from what it looks like with uh, regards to ArriveCan at least, this looks like a company that essentially accepts contracts and then passes on the work to subcontractors. And to me, that raises a lot of red flags because there could be some problems there, right? Because if the government chooses a contractor then taxpayers would expect that the government made a choice that is in line with the law, particularly is an ethical choice. But then when you have a company that, you know, sneakily passes off the work to who knows who, then it's hard to keep people accountable for the Canadian taxpayer. So, Noah, you know, in the past, we've seen issues with SNC-Lavalin, and back then, if you recall, they only got a slap on the wrist. Do we expect any serious consequences for GC strategies and those involved in 
putting out this contract and picking that particular company? I, I don't think so, Cosman. The big word that you uh, said earlier is accountability and the government uh, and GC strategies, they are not being, go, they're not p- going to be held accountable for this. And this is because the Trudeau government uh, at many times throughout uh, from 2015 to 2024, they've had times in which they ought to have been, have, have been held accountable for their actions, for misallocating funds, for awarding contracts to family, friends, all those uh, sorts of things have happened under the Trudeau government's watch and they have not been held accountable. Basically, the Trudeau government hiring a company like GC Strategies, a two-man operation who will just pawn the work off to subcontractors. It means that the Trudeau government, they trust the judgment of GC Strategies to hire some, someone competent enough to comp- uh, to fulfill the contract more than they trust themselves to pick someone com- competent to award the contract. And it's also just inefficient if the work has to pass through three hands, first the government's, then GC Strategies, then their subcontractor, rather than going from the government to the uh, to the contractor that uh, GC Strategies hires, uh, it would just be a bit a lot more efficient, and it would cost a lot a lot less money. But the uh, Trudeau government, they are pawning that task off, which is also pawning off the task of uh, keeping track of who is to be accountable for what work. I mean, the the problem with the Arrive Can. Uh, well, one of the problems with ArriveCan is that uh, the government, they gave $19.1 million to GC Strategies, and we don't know what they did with that money. It's only a two-man operation, so uh, I wonder if the GC Strategies two employees, the two founders of GC Strategies, are splitting uh, millions of dollars amongst one another. But we don't know that because the government isn't keeping track of those funds uh, or not uh, keeping themselves and GC Strategies accountable. Now that we know that the government has a history of hiring GC Strategies, it should be all the more concerning that the government is routinely trusting this company uh, that we don't know uh, how they are completing these government uh, contracts. uh, And it just looks like they are exploiting a system. So the Trudeau government, they definitely need to do a better job at holding themselves accountable and uh, parliament in general, whether it be the NDP, the Conservatives, the Greens, uh, the Bloc, they all need to do a better job holding the Liberals to account. Conservative leader Pierre Polyev has denounced a supervised injection site's advocates' racist tirade against opponents of the controversial BC proposal. Polyev was responding to a video depicting an activist shouting at an Asian man who opposes the establishment of the site in Richmond, B.C. The video, which circulated widely online, shows the activist telling the man to go back where he came from and asserting that he doesn't belong in Canada. In the clip, she specifically tells the man to go back to Hong Kong. Quote, radical activist spews racist tirade against a Chinese man trying to protect kids from a drug injection site the NDP and liberal governments are forcing into Richmond, wrote Pierre Polyev on X. Polyev's condemnation comes amidst a heated debate surrounding the proposed supervised consumption facility in Richmond. Hundreds of protesters gathered outside City Hall Monday to express their opposition to the plan, with many holding signs bearing slogans such as, No Drugs, No Drugs. The council meeting, where over 100 speakers were scheduled to share their perspectives on the controversial proposal, was marked by passionate arguments from both supporters and opponents of the drug site. 
Richmond City Council voted 8-1 to one last week to explore the possibility of establishing the facility on hospital grounds, emphasizing its role in providing a safe environment for drug consumption and offering essential recovery and treatment services. You can read Ellie Cantonentel's exclusive at www.tnc.news. So, Cosman, to me, this is just another example of liberal hypocrisy uh, accusing conservatives or whoever their opponents are of racism, of bigotry, of all the isms in the book, and then turning around and calling those who oppose safe injection sites uh, racist names, telling them to go back to their country. I mean, uh, Canada is supposed to be a uh, multicultural post-national country, uh, according to Justin Trudeau, that is supposed to be very accepting of tolerant of all people of all ethnicities yet these liberals uh, seem to be very comfortable telling uh, asian men to go back to their country so what do you make of the opening of this safe injection site in richmond and the left's reaction to people who oppose the opening of safe injection sites right so noah nobody wants this safe injection site in richmond And I suspect most communities feel this way when safe injection sites are are opened in their community, often without any say from the residents. There was about 100 people lined up to speak at the city council meeting. Not all of them got to speak, but many showed up to raise their concerns anyway. And this was part of a protest that happened. There was a a lot of people really upset with city council. And only one of the councillors recognized these people's concerns, their own constituents' concerns, that safe injection sites come with many negatives and many problems. You know, they end up becoming areas where uh, drug trafficking becomes common. It brings all sorts of problems. You, You see increased activity of ambulances. People, you know, they claim that they stop overdoses, but they can't stop somebody from going to this safe injection site using and then potentially using somewhere nearby uh, that's within walking distance. And so it's, you know, they a lot of people like to talk about democracy and how we need to listen to people. But when it's put into action, uh, local governments especially just completely ignore the concerns of people. And this particular woman's uh, reaction was just, you know, quite crazy. Like she, you could tell she did not have any control over herself and she let her emotions get the better of her. But when that happens, we often see, you know, the mask slip and the real sentiments of some of these so-called compassionate activists, you know, because they always talk about, oh, we need to have compassion for drug users. We need to uh, reduce the stigma. But in reality, these are not compassionate people. They have a political agenda. For the second time in the past week, a Sikh activist had his home hit by gunfire. This time it was in Brampton, Ontario. Sikh independence activists have been the target of several violent attacks in both Canada and the U.S. since last June when Khalistani activist Hardeep Singh Nijar was assassinated outside a Sikh temple in Surrey, B.C. Last week, a home with a child inside was shot up in a residential neighborhood in Surrey, British Columbia. Fortunately, no one was injured. The home belonged to a Sikh activist. According to Gurpatwant Singh Panan, the spokesman for the advocacy group Sikhs for Justice, construction workers found a bullet hole in the window of an unfinished house in Brampton on Monday, which belongs to Inderjeet, Singh Gosal, a prominent Khalistani activist. 
The bullet hole was later confirmed by Peel Regional Police, who said that they couldn't yet rule out the possibility of more gunshots having been fired. Gosal had announced that a pro-Kalistani rally would be taking place outside the Indian Consulate in Toronto on Saturday, not long before the shooting took place. Constable Tyler Bell Morena said that it was still too early to tell if the shooting at Gosal's new home is connected to his Kalistani activism. However, that information will be factored into the investigation. You know, I live in British Columbia and a lot of the uh, Sikh independence activism uh, happens here because there is a large uh, Punjabi population, particularly in Surrey, where that earlier shooting happened. And, you know, I worry because we are seeing, you know, political violence. You know, fortunately, nobody got hurt, but this is an attempt to either at least scare somebody or inflict serious damage, potentially kill somebody because of a political dispute that concerns a completely different country. There are a lot of communities now, uh, different sorts of ethnic communities that are pretty much fighting it out. They're fighting out their problems here on Canada's soil. We saw some of that rioting happening last year also in Calgary where the Eritrean community essentially got into a violent brawl out in the streets. How do we address this? You know, what are we doing wrong here and how can we address the issue of assimilation of people coming to Canada and abandoning, you know, their former violent conflicts, leaving those behind because that's what I would assume people are coming to Canada for to escape those things. That's what I would assume too, but because Canada has abandoned the idea of a unifying national identity that keeps us together regardless of ethnic, uh, racial, religious differences, uh, but since we've long abandoned the idea that we should uh, protect uh, such a national identity, people come to Canada and they engage in conflicts based on their past national identities from countries in which that nation is engaged in conflicts such as uh, India and the uh, sub-region of Punjab where they want to uh, break off and create a state called Khalistan for the Sikhs. Uh, we have uh, many Sikhs and Hindus uh, who come to Canada uh, to find to look for a better life and that's great. Uh, I know uh, the where the shooting took place in Brampton, uh, it's a predominantly Indian uh, city. However, when you come to Canada and you start uh, fighting about, say, Kalistan uh, or, you know, whatever the Eritreans were fighting about in Calgary last year. When, when you start uh, to do that, you start to make uh, Canada into sort of this anarchic place in which, you know, people could come and uh, fight out their conflicts in their uh, old uh, countries, which is not the type of country that we want. We don't want to turn into some uh, multicultural anarchy. You know, the, the whole point of multiculturalism is supposedly that it is supposed to strengthen in Canada, but uh, we're also seeing the negative of effects of that. The so-called Canadian mosaic is starting to break down because uh, nobody actually knows what it means to be a Canadian. What we have to do in this country is we have to start uh, teaching our history and the significance of our history, the significance of important uh, leaders, political and otherwise, like uh, John A. Macdonald and the uh, the Canadian Fathers of Confederation. Uh, you know, in the United States, for example, uh, many Americans they can name their first president and many of the founders.
founders uh, of the United States, uh, even those who uh, did not uh, go on to become presidents. Uh, however, in Canada, uh, I think even a lot of Canadians wouldn't be able to uh, wouldn't be able to name the first prime minister of Canada which is a problem and uh, that sort of lack of historical appreciation for Canada, that sort of lack of cultural appreciation for where we came from as a nation contributes to uh, immigrants coming to this can uh, to this country not knowing what uh, their true uh, identity and purposes as a Canadian is, and thus sort of exacting the grievances of their old country in Canada. So it is definitely a problem that we need to tackle. Although I don't think there's any political party in Canada willing to tackle this problem. That's it for today, folks. Make sure to check in at www.tnc.news throughout the day for all the news you need to know. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to share our work with your friends and neighbors. And if able, please consider supporting independent media at donate.tnc.news.